Well, again, thank you so much to all of those who have participated in our worship services. We um, thank our faith ringers for the beautiful music this morning, um, for Tom Huber, who was our liturgist, uh, for Madeline Barr, who serves as our acolyte in worship today. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you always to our praise team and to Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together. So we are continuing in this season of Easter, talking about um, some of the resurrection stories, the resurrection stories of Jesus, because time really moves quickly when we talk about Jesus. I mean, we talk about and we celebrate Jesus' birth usually in December, and then about four months later, then we talk about his death and resurrection. And of course, there's so much that happens in there that we, um, that we try and catch um, in, in many different times throughout the year, but these stories of Jesus seem to just move so quickly. So we're in the 50 days of Easter and looking at some of these resurrection stories just before Jesus' ascension. So this morning, we're looking at um, just one of the resurrection accounts from the Gospel of John. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so I am going to fast forward from our passage this morning to the end of the Gospel of John, which really isn't that far. It's just a, a few more verses. Um, and this appears twice in the Gospel of John, um, this sort of, um, I don't know, like disclaimer or just, um, this is what John says. John says, but there are many other things that Jesus did, and if every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's how the Gospel of John ends. Um, that ends with a similar sentiment twice, one at the end of chapter 20 and one at the end of chapter 21. And I think that part of what happens with that is that leaves the possibility of hearing and telling other stories that maybe haven't been heard or haven't yet been told. Other people who Jesus may have encountered during, uh, after his resurrection. Um, maybe there were even other miracles that Jesus did while he was alive prior to resurrection. Um, really just emphasizing that point that there are more stories to be told. And that's true. So we have um, in our Bible, in what's called our canon, um, we have four Gospels. We have the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic Gospels because they're pretty similar to each other. There's a few things that are different there and, and sometimes different interpretations, but um, the majority of the stories overlap in there. And then the Gospel of John, um, which is our Gospel for this morning, is um, is really different. It's told from a different perspective, and so it's, it's not considered one of the synoptic gospels. So we have four gospels, and also there, um, there were other gospels written. Now, in about the third century, at, uh, during the Council of Nicaea, the canon was put together. And so they had particular criteria as to which books of the Bible were put in and which weren't. And some were excluded because of authenticity, that they could tell that it wasn't written by who it claimed to be written by, um, or that there were theological reasons, like 
this gospel doesn't line up with what we know to be true of Jesus or of God, that it, it tells a story that's, that's not quite how we understand. And also, there were some political reasons that this is not a story that will tell for a political reason. So, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why these gospels or other books or even other letters weren't included. Um, some of these books can be found if you get a Bible that has the Apocrypha. There's some of those books that are there. Or um, there's other Gospels that have been published in sort of independent or separate publications. Um, things like the Gospel of Thomas, um, or there's a Gospel of Judas, or even a Gospel of Mary. Um, so those exist, but they're not a part of the Bible. And so it sort of um, stands to question or stands to wonder, um, what kinds of stories do you think the other disciples would write? So there were 12 disciples and 12, uh, I mean, other interactions that Jesus had with these individuals. And so what stories would they tell or what spin might they put on, um, on their story? So for example, the Gospel of John, there are parts in the Gospel of John that just crack me up because um, John in the Gospel of John uh, calls himself um, and he claims that he's the favorite disciple of Jesus. Now, Jesus, we don't have Jesus to refute or um, confirm that claim, but um, throughout the gospel, there's always like Peter and, oh, the, one, the disciple whom Jesus loved the most. Or um, one of my most favorite like little remarks that John makes in his gospel is in the resurrection story as uh, Peter and John are running to the tomb. Um, it says that... Um, Peter and, and the disciple whom Jesus loved were running to the tomb, and the disciple whom Jesus loved got there just a little bit before Peter. You know, like, Haha, I'm a little bit faster than Peter. Um, it's just, those are just like humorous and, and a little human uh, humanity thrown in there in the middle of all these things. But anyway, but if you think about the other disciples, you know, other 12, or even some of the others that interacted with Jesus, uh, what stories might they tell? Would they have details that were remembered just a little bit differently? Or for some, maybe for those who, who are on the receiving end of the miracles, do they have just a little bit different perspective of how they interacted or how they uh, perceived or received from Jesus? So um, I think that today's story is part can have an example of that. I mean, so we, we call this passage, a lot of times it's called the Doubting Thomas passage. Um, but if Thomas had written this passage instead of John, um, what might this story look like? How might Thomas have told this story differently? Because we often don't tell stories about ourselves that make us look bad um, or make us seem like we're foolish, um, unless we're trying to tell like a, a comedy story or whatever. But we often don't tell stories about ourselves that make us look like the idiot. And so what would Thomas, how would Thomas have written this story or told this story? Would he have painted the disciples differently? Would he have talked about them slightly different or, or just, I mean, just again, just would he have painted himself differently? And so this story that's often called the story of doubting Thomas or even Thomas, who's often called doubting Thomas, 
I think that there's other ways to look at this. So the story is about Thomas, and Thomas, according to the scripture, is the only one of the disciples who, well, the way that we tell the story is that Thomas is the only one of the disciples who needed proof of Jesus' resurrection. Everyone else believed. But see, we read this story, and it's clear to us that Thomas needed proof where the others didn't. Thomas was the one who wasn't faithful like the others. The others were so faithful. That's how we tell the story often. But the truth is, that's actually not the story. It's not really fair, one, because it's not really true, two. So in the passage just before this, the passage just before this talks about Jesus appearing to the other disciples and showing them his hands and his side. So they all got to see the proof of Jesus' resurrection. But for some reason, Thomas wasn't there. And why wasn't Thomas there? Well, we don't have, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can create stories. Um, is he the one who uh, had to go pick up the groceries to get the snacks and the food? Um, is he, was he out gathering other believers? Was he out telling what was happening? Um, was he grieving in a different location? Was he with family or other friends? Was he helping the women with the spices and the burial? Where was Thomas? Somewhere. He wasn't there for some reason. So we have that passage before saying that Jesus appeared to the disciples. And then we have this passage of Thomas. And it happens a week later. And so a week later, Jesus appears in the middle of this locked house to all of the disciples. As they were locked in the house together, Jesus appeared to all of them. So did you catch where all the disciples were? They were locked in the house together. Locked in the house together. The last time they were locked in the house together was because they were in hiding, because they were fearful and afraid. And this comes a week after Jesus has appeared to them in his resurrected state, and they were locked in the house together, hiding. So, although this story is often called Doubting Thomas, I think that there stands to be um, some good, to good reason that this story could be called the Doubting Disciples, because... They've all seen the proof already of Jesus' resurrection. They've seen his hands and his side, and they've talked with him. And where were they? Hiding, locked in the house together, scared. And Thomas was the only one out and about. And so then Jesus appears to the disciples again. And Thomas sees, and Jesus invites him to touch and Thomas believes and says, my Lord and my God. Now, Thomas is the only one who expresses the statement of belief. None of the others, not even John, the disciple whom Jesus loved the most. And then what Jesus says are often, you know, seen or, or talked about as targeted statements to Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. But what if that's not targeted to Thomas, but to the other disciples? 
you guys saw first. Why don't you believe? Because they've seen, but for some reason they can't, they haven't seemed to believe yet. Now, here's the thing. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. I mean, you can disbelieve it. You can pretend like you didn't see it. You can try to ignore it. But once you see something, you can't unsee it. You can see the evidences of Jesus' resurrection and then keep hiding in your house. But once you see, you can't unsee. And you have a choice when you're confronted with an idea that might be different than what you thought. I mean, resurrection is one of those. Resurrection was something that was a challenge to everyone's belief in how they viewed both their faith and the world. And so when you're confronted with something that challenges what you believe so deeply, you do have a choice. You can deny it and ignore it. You can be open to changing but again, the truth is that once you see, you can't unsee. Once you taste, you can't untaste. Once you hear, you can't unhear. And then chapter 20 finishes by saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. Many other signs. What were they? What more could Jesus have done? But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. In just this short passage, so much. I mean, that's often true about all of scripture, right? In short passages, like there is a ton happening. And even through this part, this ending of, of, of chapter 20 and ending of chapter 21, it tells us that there are more stories to be told. And that's not just the stories of Jesus' past, but also of our experiences with Jesus. What's your story of faith? Have you seen or experienced a miracle? Have you seen Jesus? I mean, the truth is we all have a story to tell. And sometimes we pretend or we think that our story is small. And, you know, it's not like somebody else who has a miraculous healing. Well, yes, but we're not comparing our stories. Your story is your story. And the truth is that we all have a story of our own faith to tell. And we tell them so that others might believe. Sometimes we tell them for our own belief to remind us, but we tell them. So, just like John's gospel says, there are more stories to be told. Tell your story of faith. Tell it to, to your friends or your family. Tell it to the people of our church Tell it to people who need to be reminded to believe. Tell it to people who are struggling. Tell it to people who are, who are faithful. Tell your story because your story matters. Your story of your encounter with Jesus, this Jesus who has changed the world, who has changed your life, who is changing your life. Tell your stories of your encounters with the resurrected Jesus because once you see you can't unsee. 
Once you taste, you can't untaste. And once you hear, you can't unhear. And these stories are told so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Alleluia and amen.